Today's passage is Psalm 43. If you can turn to it in your Bibles, if you're using a pew Bible, it's found on page 470. Again, that's Psalm 43, page 470 in the Pew Bibles. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Sweaty palms, racing heart, racing thoughts, heart beating out of my chest. Which box is she going to check? Is it going to be yes or is it going to be no? In case you're wondering, I'm not telling the story of when I proposed to Kate, okay? Not telling you that story. I was a nervous wreck for that, though. That's a story for another day. I'm telling the story of the first time that I asked a girl who was a friend to be my girlfriend. I had no idea what this meant. I was in middle school, went to a really small Christian school where everyone knew everyone. You know, this middle school is already a painfully awkward time of life, right? Uh, I, I, don't, I didn't have to, to go and make things more awkward, but of course, this is what I did. Uh, so I handed her a folded note. And inside that note was a question and two check boxes. Will you be my girlfriend? Check yes, check no. Look, it took no time at all for her to deliberate, okay? Checked no, folded that note, handed it back. There it was. I felt so rejected in that moment. This was not the last time I experienced rejection, okay? All of those no's, though, led to the final ultimate yes. So thankful for that. But now... This is, this is a really kind of dumb example, right? Silly example of rejection. But I'm guessing that every one of us knows what it's, what it's like to feel this. I'm guessing that you have tasted in your life a little bit of rejection. Maybe you've lost a job recently. Uh, maybe, maybe it's more serious. Maybe a spouse has left you. Maybe you feel snubbed by a close friend. Whether it's big or small, rejection still hurts, doesn't it? But this isn't the only sort of rejection I think we can feel in this life. Our psalmist is struggling against a different sort of rejection. And it's the worst kind of rejection that we can experience. Feeling rejected by God himself. Let me just set the, the, the scene real quick. Verse 1, what we just read, we get this picture of what, what this guy is up against. He says, vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. 
from the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. So it's clear that, that he's got some enemies. And these enemies are godless people, and they're out to make his life miserable. He needs help. Did you see those? Did you notice those three imperatives? Vindicate me, defend me, deliver me. But this isn't the worst of it. There, there's stuff going on around him. It's serious, but it's not as serious as the stuff that's going on within him, within his own soul. Keep reading verse 2. He says, here we, here we just get a glimpse into his soul and a taste of what is really troubling him most. You are the God in whom I take refuge. Right? You're my God. I trust you. You are my refuge. Then he laments, why have you rejected me? Why have you rejected me? Where are you, God? Why have you turned your back on me? He's divided. There, His heart's divided. He says, you're my refuge, and you have rejected me. The felt presence of God is missing in his life. He, he can't sense him. He can't see him. He can't taste his goodness anymore in his life. It's, it's gone. He knows, he knows that God is real, but he just can't feel it anymore. The psalmist is living proof of something that I think we all are going to face in the Christian life. There's going to be seasons in your life where your soul feels dried up and parched. There's going to be seasons in your life where you feel distant from God. There's going to be seasons when you can't feel God's presence in your life and you're wondering, where are you, God? Why have you rejected me? Now, I just want to, before we move on, inject a little bit of gospel hope into our souls here. We may feel rejected by God at times in our lives, but if we are in Jesus, we'll never know what it feels like to, to truly be rejected by him. Jesus was rejected in our place, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These words were on Jesus' lips, so they wouldn't have to be on our lips. We may, we may feel rejected by God in this life, but we'll never be it because Jesus was it for us. You'll never feel, you'll feel it, but you'll never be it because Jesus was it. But the reality is, is that there's moments in life when, and these, these moments are going to come when we feel rejected by God. So, so what do we do? Where do we go? What do we say when we feel rejected by God? Well, I, I love this psalm because it's, it's a roadmap that we can use to sort of navigate these seasons of life when we feel distant from the Lord, when we feel rejected by him. Here's what our psalmist does when he feels distant from the Lord, Where when, he, when, he, when he can't feel his presence in his life anymore. Verse 4, look at verse 4. He says, I will go to God, my exceeding joy. I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. And this is really the height, the peak of Psalm 43. And it's why our big idea is what it is this morning. Run to God when you feel rejected by God. 
Run to God when you feel rejected by God. Don't run from God. Don't run to false gods or pseudo-saviors. They're not going to cut it. Run to God when you feel rejected by God. And we're going to take, take a look at this, this sort of strategy that the psalmist uses and that we can we use to, to anchor our souls to God in seasons when we feel distant from the Lord. Before we do that, uh, just a few things that would be, I think, helpful for us as we look at this psalm uh, before we dig into this text. First, you should know that Psalm 43 is, is a psalm of lament. A few weeks ago, we, we looked at Psalm 13. That's another psalm of lament. Uh, in fact, this, this songbook, the psalms, is filled with lament. Filled with lament. Maybe you know this, but they're a staggering one-third of all the psalms are made up of these minor key songs. Lament is uh, so pervasive, it's so prevalent in this songbook because I think so much of life is lamentable. Uh, Loss, we experience loss, we experience grief, we experience disappointment all the time. Whatever it is, we need a way to live in the tension of uh, life is really hard and God, you're good. Lament helps us do this. But one other thing that's really interesting about this psalm before we move on, it's very likely, I think, that Psalm 43 is the end of Psalm 42. It's likely that these two psalms are actually just one long lament, and so they're meant to be read and sung together. The most compelling evidence of this is found in this refrain. If you look at 42 and 43, there's this refrain that kind of shows up three times. We see it first in Psalm 42, verse 5, then it shows up again at verse 11, and then again at the end of our psalm for this morning. The wording is is nearly identical. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The wording's a little different in, from verse to verse, but nearly identical. I think this matters because Psalm 42 helps sort of fill out what's going on in the heart of the psalmist. Verse 2, in, verse, uh, in chapter 42, Psalm 42, it says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God. Literally, when will I see the face of God? Verse 3, then he goes on, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. Tears for breakfast, tears for lunch, tears for dinner, tears for snack before bed. You get the idea. My tears have been my food. That's what he's saying, my food, my sustenance all day, every day. So he can't, he's saying, I cannot see you. I can't taste you. I can't feel your presence in my life anymore. So it's no wonder that he prays uh, in verse 2 of our psalm this morning, why have you rejected me? So what does he do when he finds himself, when we find ourselves feeling distant from God? What do we do? Psalm 43 invites us to run to God when we feel rejected by God. Here's the strategy. Here's the strategy our psalmist uses when, he's, when he can't feel the presence of God in his life anymore. First, we see in verse 3, he asks 
that God would lead him by his light and his truth. Look there at verse 3. Send out your light, he says, and your truth. Let them lead me. You know what spelunking is, right? Has anyone gone spelunking before? Yeah, okay, a few. Awesome. Um, It's where you pay good money to be led by a stranger into a dark cave, right? Nothing weird about that. Um, I went spelunking once. Um, I was younger. It was great and terrifying at the same time. Um, One thing I'll never forget, though, is how, how disorienting the darkness is. Like, I remember being deep in this cave, and then our guide stops us, and he says, all right, turn off your headlamps, and then he asks the question, what do you see? It's kind of like, what do you mean, what do I see? I can't see a thing. Uh, this picture is what I saw. I, I ripped this picture offline. It's not really the picture I took, so you can kind of see something in it, but I should have just put a blank slide up. Uh, blackness, darkness is all I could see, nothing. I couldn't see a thing. I've never experienced darkness like that. It was thick. It was palpable. And the longer that I sat there with my headlamp off, I just remember feeling more and more disoriented, disoriented wonder, wondering, like, which, which way is up, which way is down? How, wh- how do we get back to where we came from? Why does the psalmist ask God to send out his light, to lead him by it? Well, I think it's because he knows that he's in the dark, not, not physical darkness. He doesn't need God to fix his physical eyes. He's, he's where he is because I think of spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness is so disorienting, and he knows that God's light and truth are reorienting. And so he says, send out your light and truth. Let them guide me. But notice, notice where the psalmist asks God to lead him by his light and truth. There at the end of verse 3 into the beginning of verse 4. He says, let them bring me to your holy hill and your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God. Now what's so significant about going to the altar of God? Why does he want to go there? Why does he ask God to lead him there? If you were an Israelite, the, the altar was the place where you would go to deal with your sin. Or, or I should say, it, it was where another would go on your behalf to make atonement for sin. It's the place where God forgave the sins of his people. But here's what I think is really interesting about this. Not once... When we, when we read this psalm, not once are we told that the psalmist feels distant from the Lord because of sin. I think holding on to sin in our lives will lead us to feel distant from the Lord. But I don't think it's always true that when we feel distant from God, it's because of sin that we're holding on to in our life. And this is, this is why I love this psalm. This is why I love what the psalmist does here. Even though he feels like he has done nothing wrong... Right? He's, asking, he's asking God to vindicate him. Even though he feels like he's done nothing wrong, he goes to God's holy hill anyway. Even though he feels like he's done nothing wrong, he goes to God's hill, holy hill anyway. Why? If I had to guess, I'd say it's because he knows that he doesn't know everything about his own heart. He knows he, he could be holding on to some false hopes without even knowing it. So he examines himself. 
He goes to the place where sin can't hide. And I think there's some real wisdom in what the psalmist is doing here. When you find yourself feeling uh, distant from God, even when you feel like you've done nothing wrong, take the time to examine your own heart. Ask God to help you see the things that, that you might love or treasure more than him. Ask him to, to help you see the things that, that you might be putting your hope in more than you're putting hope in the Lord. Even when you feel like you've done nothing wrong, go to the altar anyway. And not, not an actual altar, right? This side of the cross, we know where the altar of God is. Um, Hebrews 13, 10 uh, says this, that we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. So our, our altar is Jesus himself. Jesus crucified, raised, and interceding for us. So run to Christ. Run to Jesus where, when you feel rejected by God. Ask him to give you eyes to see things that you can't see. Ask him to give you eyes to see where you might be misplacing your hope. Ask God to help you let those things go. And then bask in the Father's love and forgiveness to you. And then do what the psalmist does next. And delight in the one who is your exceeding joy. Verse 4, he says, I will go to the altar to God, my exceeding joy. Or literally, in the Hebrew, it's, it's two words in the Hebrew. It's, I will go to God, the gladness of my rejoicing. The gladness of my rejoicing. What this man wants more than anything is to be satisfied in God himself. To be satisfied in him. At the end of the day, you know, vindication from his enemies means nothing if it doesn't have God, if he doesn't have God as his exceeding joy. I think there's a really subtle and destructive pitfall that we, we should be aware of when we feel like we're far off from God and when our, when our soul is troubled. It goes something like this. I'll be satisfied if, or I'll be satisfied when. God, I'll be satisfied when you take my chronic pain away. Or I'll be satisfied when I don't have to deal with this disappointment anymore. If only our financial situation were different, then I'd be satisfied. Or if only I didn't have to struggle with this sin, then I'd be satisfied. Why do I have to experience loss? I just want things to go back the way that they were. Then I'll be satisfied. Nothing, though, can satisfy our souls like God himself. Our greatest satisfaction now and forever is God himself. We need to believe this. For our psalmist, getting to God, seeing him for who he is, this is so much sweeter than tasting relief from pain, relief from sorrow, relief from the oppression that he's experiencing, that he's up against. Our greatest need 
is to be satisfied in God, to see his face, to behold him in his glory. Nothing else matters more in our rejoicing. Nothing else matters more in our, in our sorrow. Many, many years ago, um, Kate and I walked through the, the, just the difficult, uh, dark valley of miscarriage together. Um, there were days when we felt like, in those, in those moments, where we felt like God had rejected us. Most days, it, it was all we had to sort of get out of bed, fight through the tears, and seek the face of God. Our weary souls were parched. We needed to see a glimpse of God, to experience his love and his care for us. And by God's grace, and only by his grace, we sought the face of God together. Not perfectly, we, but we did it. I, let me tell you, nothing brought more life in those moments. Nothing brought more life to our souls in those moments than, than when we would seek the face of God. Nothing satisfied us in those, those dark days more than this. So I, I think our ultimate battle in, in those days when we're fighting to, to find escape from our pain, it's not that we would fight to find escape from our pain. It's, it's our greatest battle is fighting, I think, to, to, to keep God as our ultimate satisfaction in the midst of our pain. Will God be our exceeding joy in our darkest days is the question. So fight for this, Christian. Fight for joy, and then let your joy in God overflow into joyous praise of God. And that's what we see next in this psalm. You see it there at the end of verse 4. It's sort of this progression that's leading to praise in God. He says, I will go to God, my exceeding joy, and I will then praise you, my God. Real joy in God, it's, it's always going to overflow into genuine praise of God. C.S. Lewis, he puts it like this. He says, he says, we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. That's what the psalmist is doing here. He's completing his joy in the one who's at the very center of his joys. And it's what I think we need to do too. It's what we can do as well. There's one more tactic in this psalm, one more tactic this psalmist uses when he feels rejected by God. Um, not only does he talk to God, he also, if you notice at the end of this psalm, he talks to himself. It's a psalm, it's a song, so he's actually singing to himself. Verse 5, soul, he says to himself, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. We talk to ourselves all the time, don't we? Um, Paul Tripp makes this really profound observation. He says, I find myself saying it all the time. When people hear it, they laugh, but actually I'm being quite serious when I say it. Here it is. 
No one is more influential in your life than you because no one talks to you more than you do. You are in an unending conversation with yourself. You're talking to yourself all the time, interpreting, organizing, and analyzing what's going on inside you and around you. No one is more influential in your life than you because no one talks to you more than you do. If this is true, what are you going to say to yourself when your soul is troubled? What will you say when you feel distant from the Lord? Too often, my inner dialogue does not sound anything like the psalmists here. I, my self talks to me more than I talk to myself. Um, and so I despair, uh, wallow in self-pity, or blame circumstances, other people. Maybe you can relate to these things. If you're anything like me, Psalm 43 is, is an invitation to have a radically different conversation with yourself, one that is filled with life and hope. Self, why are you down? Why so disturbed within me? Hope in God, the God of your life. So when our hopes and dreams, our, our joys and celebrations are disrupted by disappointment, pain, loss, sorrow. What we need to hear most are words of life, words of hope. Our greatest treasure, the very ground of our hope, is Jesus himself, Jesus Christ, crucified for our sins, victorious over death, reigning as king. That is our greatest hope. We need to hear this good news. We need to hear the gospel from one another, but we need to hear it from ourselves, too. So what would it look like for us to maybe do this? Like, there's a lot of places that we could go in the scriptures. Here's just one example. I'll throw Romans 8, 31 through 35 up on the screen, and you can, you can make it your own. We can make scripture our own. So you could say, listen to me, self. If God is for you, who can be against you? God spared no expense when it came to you. He gave up his own son for you. So how will he not also with him graciously give you all things? Who's going to bring a charge against you? You're one of God's chosen. God is the, the one who justifies. So who can condemn you? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for you. Who, who can separate you from the love of God? We can't hear these words enough. We can't hear these words enough. When darkness is all we see, what we need is the light of the gospel to pierce our darkness. You need to savor, we need to savor words of hope when our souls feel crushed. And when we feel far off from God, our very lives depend on it. So when your soul is troubled, when you feel far off from God, talk to God, but don't forget to talk to yourself too. Take these words of life that we see in the scriptures and speak them to yourself. Your soul needs to be soaked in life-giving hope-saturated gospel words. 
So church, if, if, you, if you do anything at all when you go through seasons of feeling distant from the Lord, if we do anything at all, we should walk the well-worn path of Psalm 43. And we should run to God when we feel rejected by God and then rest in his grace as we take each step.